You summon me? Yes. Why? Let me tell you a story about... Lemon Drop Media and the Seven Sages present The Hidden Scribes Podcast, where we feature diverse authors who are unrepresented, unpublished, or unknown, and we animate their stories with a palette of sound and music. My name is Mark Million, and it's my job to introduce you to these emerging talents. Every two weeks, we'll have another writer and their pair of stories, the stories they've created, and the story of themselves. You are here on the ground floor of hearing something no one has ever heard before in a way that the writer themselves has never experienced. It's an exciting time that we are all sharing together. And that being said, there's also going to be a communal effort along with this, but we'll get to that on the other side. You'll find that we want to deliver these nuggets of awesome in a compressed amount of time because we know that yours is valuable. So let's get to it and meet our inaugural scribe. Today, we have the one and the only Coyotito Kelly, sir. Yes, sir. It is I. Coyotito. That is a name, man, that you've uh, found yourself. Is that like is that like your stage name? <laughs> and, uh, that's the name that my uh, uh, my parents gave to me. Uh, my father had a thing for these uh, Spanish Spanish names and whatnot. The book, the, the name is actually from a book called The Pearl by literary giant uh, John Steinbeck. And I, my father did that book in high school i'm sure because that's when i came across it when i got to high school that's when i found out the origin of the name it's a mexican indian name means little coyote it's a great grown-up name it's also a great peter pan name like remember peter pan's like whole uh gaggle of ruffians (laughs) (laughs) rufio and coyotito and you know (laughs) badger possum and the rest so mr kelly what are we getting ready to experience in the selection we that, are going uh, to be introduced to benjamin Bynes. we get to see him throw down and use some muscle and in another part of the excerpt we will be introduced to our ultimate villain uh the minstrel denog creature of outstanding menace excellent i love an outstanding menace so with no further ado uh ladies and gentlemen of podcast world uh the selection. Excerpt from The Fortune Teller. Double B and Sean Wiley stepped off the elevator just in time to hear an ear-splitting scream that turned ragged, then was choked off before it was finished. The hairs on the backs of their necks stood up, and as one, they ran toward the sound. Sean noted that Rucker's secretary was not around and wondered at it. They approached the door and Sean knocked loudly, realizing that he was taking his career out on a limb by interrupting whatever was going on. But he knew Double B well. The man would have just barged in. I'm busy, Rucker's voice came from behind the door. Then all was silent. I need a moment, Mr. Rucker, Sean said, stealing himself against the coming rebuke. I said I'm busy, Rucker said again, clearly angry now. Sean fell silent. He didn't know what else to do except wait. Double B was having none of it. Instincts, long honed in the underworlds of both New York and Atlanta, screamed about the wrongness of this situation and reminded him of a scream holding more terror than any scream should at seven in the morning. Impatiently, he shouldered Sean out of the way, turned the knob and slammed the door open. What he saw surprised and confused him. 
The pretty lady he had just met on the elevator was held in a tight embrace by an older man. She was struggling to pull free, but was clearly not strong enough. What the hell do you think you're doing? Rucker said with a frown. And Sean saw all his hopes and dreams about a partnership go plummeting down the drain. They had apparently walked in on a lover's spat. Rucker would never forgive him for finding out. He was a married man, a family man. He was supposed to be a straight arrow, above the petty nonsense that plagued the other partners. Get the hell out of my office, Rucker said angrily. Sean immediately turned to go, trying to pull Double B along with him, but Double B had seen a predatory glint in the man's eyes that just didn't fit with the rest of his image, nor even the compromising situation he'd been caught in. Unaccountably, he hadn't let go of the girl, though that should have been the first thing he did on being caught. Perplexed, but not knowing exactly what he should do about it, he began to turn, but as he did, the lady managed to turn her head enough to free her lips from the crush against the man's chest. Double B. The words came out as a croak and were barely audible, but Double B heard them clearly. It was enough for him. Let her go, he growled as he advanced on the man. Usually, his size made other men think twice about crossing him, but the man did not back away from Double B, nor did he appear to be frightened. Oh shit, Sean exclaimed. Forget the partnership, he was about to lose his job. The, that the man did not seem afraid alerted Double B that he probably was concealing a weapon of some sort. Double B slowed his advance and bunched his muscles in preparation for explosive movement. The man moved first, though, tossing the woman aside with surprising ease. A veteran of a thousand fights, Double B was not distracted by her falling form. She would live. He kept his eyes glued to the predatory eyes of the lawyer and, and was glad he did. As he watched, one of the man's hands elongated, turning into a single knife-edged claw. What the fuck are you? Double B asked, feeling his neck and shoulder hairs attempt to stand on end. That was all I wanted her to ask me, the man said with a shake of its head. Was that too much to ask? The man lunged at him but missed wide as he nimbly dodged out of the way. It sought to block the man's escape. By heading for the door, it thus made its first mistake. Bruiser Ben did not run from fights. The doppelganger felt air explode from its lungs as the man landed a solid punch to its midsection. The man tried to choke it, then almost lost his fingers as the human mouth was replaced by rows of needle-point teeth. Bruiser Ben grabbed the thing in front of him and tossed it against the far wall. It landed hard, but was immediately back up again. It was repulsive, and his skin began to crawl just looking at it. What in the hell had he gotten into? Whatever the fuck you are, you need to go lose yourself in a sewer. Get out of here! The doppelganger peered around the big man and waved at Joanna, who was just now climbing to her feet. I'll be with you in a second, Jojo. Don't worry. Now then, mister. I dare say you're the strongest man I've come across in some time, and quick, too. But now that I've got your measure, it will be over soon. The doppelganger changed and grew as it spoke, no longer holding on to even the semblance of a human form. As the creature grew, Sean blanched and began to back away. This was something out of a nightmare, a horror movie, it couldn't be real. 
This could not be happening. He had to still be home dreaming. Joanna saw the future clearly now, and she was not afraid. Get him, Double B, she said, working with the knowledge that he loved being cheered on. Bruiser Ben was in full battle mode, and fear had no place in him, but he heard their encouragement, and it felt good. The doppelganger watched in amazement as the man, who had now towered head and shoulders above, came at it. It reached for him, but had its arms knocked aside. Bruiser Ben drove it back into the wall with a powerful punch, then slammed his elbow into its tooth-filled face. He hit it again and again and felt teeth break. The creature was dazed, but Bruiser Ben was just getting started. With a heave, he lifted the creature and threw it against another wall, cracking the sheetrock. He spied the glass and had a wonderful idea. With a grunt, he hefted the creature again and slammed it headfirst into the glass, shattering it. He lifted it higher and pushed it out, watching as it fell 50 stories. He turned back, dusting his hands off with a snort, and stopped short at the amazement on the two faces watching him. He shrugged and said, Hmm, the bigger they are. Double B turned his attention to the woman who he could tell was barely out of her teens. What in the hell is going on, miss? That was some weird shit just now. He trailed off as the girl walked up to him and confidently leaned into his big frame. I knew you would come, but I wasn't sure you would win at first. My readings are not complete anymore. What are you talking about, miss? Double B looked down into the soft brown eyes with his brows wrinkled, wanting to understand but not having a clue. Joanna was confused. He was obviously her protector. So why was he acting like he didn't know what was going on? She suddenly became conscious of his thoughts and blushed involuntarily. Gently, Joanna pushed away from the large form and was thankful that he let her go. Why don't you know what's going on, Double B? Don't you know, Del Brody? Don't you serve the future? If anything, his confusion seemed to grow. He looked up behind her and said, Wiley, what in the hell is going on here? To his credit, Sean hadn't run, but he was still ashamed that he hadn't tried to help his friend. He was still stunned and didn't answer right away. Slowly, he shook his head as if to rid himself of the memory of the creature. I have no idea what's going on, Double B, but I think she does, and we're going to need some answers. You had her! And let her get away, Davis roared angrily. You imbecile! You idiot! You... You motherfuck! The doppelganger did not shy away from the furious man, though there was a distinct possibility that he would revert to his true form. That would be messy. True to form, however, Davis held his temper in check. They were in a public place anyway. Though closed in by the four walls of the man's office, a fight would expose them for all to see. The doppelganger reflected again on how it had miscalculated the ability of the human. The fall had hurt, but did not cause any permanent damage. The girl had known her protector was coming, of that the doppelganger was sure. She had bought herself time while evading the questions. She was smart and lucky, but it was only inevitable that she be caught. I will go back and find out where she went. It won't be hard. Somebody will know where they are or how to find them. 
Though not cowed, the double doppelganger was subdued in its speech. Davis was mollified. Now maybe it would quit clowning around and kill the bitch. His mind turned to the new problem of a guardian. Describe him, he commanded. Davis listened as the doppelganger recited his observations, then picked up the phone and dialed his fellow creatures of chaos. They must be ready whenever they encountered this powerful human. Don't bother questioning her when you find her again. Kill her, Davis said with finality. He turned his attention back to the computer on his desk, hoping to find her on the digital highways. The meeting was over, but the doppelganger was rooted to the ground before his desk. This creature would test his limits too far one day. I want to know what her grandmother told her, the doppelganger returned in a cold, dangerous tone. It will most certainly prove to be important if there's another one who can exploit it like she can. I will kill her when she has delivered up the information, not before. Davis's breathing became labored as he began to lose control over his body and revert to his true form. If you hadn't killed the old woman before finding out what she said, this problem would not exist. This is your fault, the doppelganger informed him. Dr. Carl Davis was no more. His skin burst as he leapt across the desk, reaching for his tormentor's throat with filled claws. The doppelganger was ready, however, and sidestepped him neatly, flashing out a razor-sharp appendage. The creature that had been Davis would have been eviscerated if not for his tough body armor. He regained his balance and prepared to rend the doppelganger limb from limb. However, even as he prepared to attack, the doppelganger was growing and changing into something too powerful to defeat. He struck anyway, quickly, thinking to cause as much damage as possible before the change was complete. Sudden apprehension filled Davis's being, and he saw the same fear bloom in the doppelganger's eyes. A dirge of instruments heralded the approach of fear itself. They scrambled away from one another, filled with rage but wary of the coming danger. The door never opened, but a being made its presence known, exerting enormous pressure on the two minds in the small office. Cymbals gave off a faint chime, and the flute spun out a twittering melody while a distant drumbeat kept time with them both. Other instruments, less definable or too low to make out, filled the room with audible sound. The doppelganger and Davis knew that even if it were not audible, they would still hear it. This music could be heard in the soul. The minstrel Dinog had come. Responding to autonomous stimuli, the doppelganger began changing into the most fearsome creature that its abilities allowed. Davis had time to be glad that the fight was cut short. He would have been severely overmatched, but he knew that even the doppelganger was not the equal of the minstrel Dinog. He resumed his human form, straightening his tie in an oddly human gesture that revealed his nervousness. They could still see nothing, but they knew they were not alone. Though Davis was nominally the one in charge, he knew such things were of no moment to the minstrel Dinog. He was just a manager, because the beings involved here would do all the real work from here on. It was rumored that this being was older than time itself. It was a shard of the void come to sentience and serving chaos. Powerful, black and eternal, the presence sifted the room's atmosphere, 
vaguely enjoying the fear generated and the residual aura of violence, but wanting only information. The cymbals grew louder and the drumbeat increased its speed while violin strings grew more intense. It was speaking, querying, asking, almost gently. It chided the two younglings for wasting chaotic effort on one another when that effort would have best served chaos if the structure of things were damaged or destroyed. They knew the minstrel Dinog meant anything, lives, buildings, relationships, anything. Existence offended it. It despised structure and order and thoroughly hated the concepts of peace and tranquility. The sounds of the instruments grew progressively more dissonant as it communicated with the two younglings. Finally, a voice rose out of the music. Davis shuddered as it emptied him out, leaving a vacuum. Darkness shrouded the room now as the minstrel Dinog began to gather substance so as to become visible on the material plane. The voice was slow and deep with faint echoes after every word. No human vocal cords could have produced that sound. Chaos will best be served by the ruin of the firm. Kill the partners, leave them in disarray. Destroy the building's foundation so that as it crumbles from within, it will crumble without. Where is the girl? The minstrel Dinog did not wait for a response but invaded their minds and wrenched free the answers it needed. The younglings gasped as cold, more profound than anything they had ever experienced before, froze their minds and held them immobile. She flees not to go to ground, but to oppose us. She has a guardian. She is the one on whom the future rests all hope. There is something she knows that we don't. We must know, for, for ignorance contracts failure. The being had taken material form suitable to its character. It was shaped like a tall human male, wearing an ankle-length trench coat with a broad-rimmed hat. The figure was cut from the darkest patch of black imaginable. Only its shape and profile made any features distinguishable. When observed from a frontal view, there was just an ebony shape that seemed to drink in light. Davis wrenched his eyes away from the figure and jerked his head at the door. The doppelganger left then, perhaps a trifle quickly, but Davis couldn't blame it. Safety was not a guarantee in the presence of the minstrel Dinog. So, what do you think of the oh, orchestra man, effect that, to your... Uh... That was crazy. That is awesome. That The scoring, um, it kind of really brought it to life. I mean, I love what you did with with the voice of the minstrel Dinog. I love what you did with um, Benjamin Bynes, Double B's voice. I, I, I couldn't have imagined it better. That was beautiful. Cool, man. Well, I'm glad. Let me ask you, as far as what you've imagined, do you feel like the process of, of experiencing the story that way has changed maybe the way you think of the story? I mean that more specifically, like, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that you had this envisioned as a novel initially. After having heard the way that it plays in this format... Has that changed well, at all? Uh, do you well, yeah, think that I mean, would work with, better in a different with format? With the sound scoring for it, music and and special effects, I mean, it, it makes it seem viable for, you know, for, for, for a visual medium. You know, uh, 
as I wrote the book, I, I didn't realize all of that that action as far as um, sound was was included. And that's a really great thing. But it's still it's it's still gonna be a novel that I have to push out and uh, you know um, get give to the public. Well, while we're talking about your um your vision for the for the story, tell me a little bit about like the arc of what's going on. Where do you see this story going? What can your readers expect from these characters that we've just kind of been introduced to? Well, the the world I created here, I thank God, was uh, is really rich in, in, in with the characters. There's so much that can happen, and I really see this being at least a, a three part story. Like when you say three part story, do you mean you see it as being three separate? I I do kind of envision this as three epic stories, three parts to the same story, and maybe more. It just depends because of. Uh, the the lives I've given the characters, the, my imagination for them, um, it just allows for so much to be added, so much to be explored. That's the 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 main characters, but also the the concepts that are are given to to the readers with with the idea that they could be gods, or you know these elder gods and younger gods and and human beings, you know, um, just exploring all of that and the conceits, the conflicts and everything. I think that would provide a lot of material to, to give to the public. I have to say that one of the things that I found really interesting about this work was, and I don't know if it comes across to the listener as opposed to just, um, concepts. And so the idea of anthropomorphizing those particular aspects and giving them character and personality and and ambitions and desires and goals is really, really interesting. How much personification, how much of a character development do you envision for those larger-than-life aspects? I believe there's going to be a lot of development for those concepts, for the, the elder gods um, that are introduced to the future, the existence, the void. I think uh, a lot of times uh, people might shy away from from you know delving into that um because you know a lot of it is is the unknown but i think uh giving giving life to that could be very interesting and and very interesting for the readers so you know it's it's a lot of work i'm setting for myself but uh doing some research and coupling that with uh my imagination letting it run wild i think will produce some 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 good stories some uh really um awesome interactions for for the characters in the story. I'm really excited about that that aspect. And and going back to that, let me ask you, is the fortune teller, is this a finished product or is this still something that you're working on? I am still working on it. I actually uh, began writing this story um, uh, many years ago. I put it down um, <laughs> due to writing myself into a corner, kind of, not even kind of, I definitely wrote myself into a corner. I'm of the opinion that a really, really good story, great stories have great villains. Because if you have a great villain, to defeat that villain, you need, by default, a great hero. So I sat about creating a great villain for my story. Um, uh, only I think I, I did too good a job. And at the time, with my my knowledge and understanding and, and what my, my imagination uh, gave to me, I couldn't I didn't actually see a way for my heroes to overcome the villain 
And that was a, a new experience for me. It was, um, it wasn't something I had ever experienced or, or expected to experience. So, you know, I put the story down because, uh, one thing I didn't want to do was, um, cop out, just, uh, give the heroes an easy way to beat the villains, you know? Um, because when I've seen that in, in other books or in visual media, I, I didn't like it, you know, it's, it weakened the story. So, instead of risking that i you know i put it down and, and gave it time to mature in my mind and and you know speak to people learn from people experience life and and actually picking it back up um partly because of this very podcast it's kind of galvanized me into you know um revisiting it and thinking about it and and i've been able to think about it in new and and in other ways than I had previously available to me. One of the other characters that I wanted to ask you about is actually the the work's namesake, the fortune teller. Um, so Joanna, as we are introduced in this situation, she's been hemmed up by this yeah, doppelganger right. <laughs> um, posing as like one of the attorneys in the office. And so she's very much playing that damsel in distress role when we see her here and so it occurs to me that she is the the title character and this uh snippet might not necessarily you know wasn't designed necessarily to give show us her depth in particular but it it's a it's a fairly shallow surface rendering of her and so i'm curious because she is the title character what could you tell us about her and her role in the story and how uh you plan on adding layers to her well um well first the excerpt that we all here is a little further along in the story. Uh, we actually meet our title character, uh, the fortune teller, at the beginning, um, early on. You know, we get into her head a little bit, a little bit of her background. Um, but you're right. The, the what we do here in the excerpt is her being saved by um, one of the other main characters. But she is definitely the hero of this story. So a lot of work will go into bringing bringing her mindset and her thoughts and her actions to the fore. I think everybody will be happy with um, what she's able to accomplish because uh, the way I envision it is the fortune teller being the only one that can actually stand against the power of the future. It might not be physical power, but her abilities will help save this world the world of the story. Let's talk a little bit about you and, and your path towards writing. The Fortune Teller, I, I believe, is one of many stories you've written. Yeah, I, I've written a few other stories. Uh, a completed one, The Herald's Blade, and a couple other stories that are in various stages of completion. But I didn't. I wasn't originally trying to publish books. I always, I always had adventures running in my head, and it wasn't until... I was a little older because I just started when I was a kid. But when I was a little older, I realized, well, all writers are, are people who put the adventures in their head on paper, you know. So and I wanted to do that. And and once I did start doing that, I I found that, you know, writing is it is it is the best thing. You know, um, I get to live in and populate my own worlds and then, you know, bring them to everybody else to so they can play in those worlds. And I think, you know, I'm sure if all jobs paid the same, I would be writing, you know. 
but uh, I took a different path, you know, and wanted to pay bills and whatnot. But I I never like gave up on writing, you know, because I I have to write. You know, I have stories I want to tell. I want to even if it's just me uh, enjoying those stories. But I don't want to be selfish and have it just be myself. I, I want to you know bring it to everybody. So that's what I'm gonna um, hopefully be doing in the near future. Yeah, by all means, brother. Don't be selfish. <laughs> Share. <laughs> Your own background, you know, you're from the Bahamas. That's right. I am an islander. Um, and you're an islander. And I'm curious if you feel like there's any part of the fortune teller uh, specifically that you think is informed by that heritage, by that background. The music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe, Speak I definitely uh, envisioned the the approach of the minstrel to know. It was based on a lot of music I might have, I, I, I heard growing up and yeah let's talk about that for a second because that definitely felt like you were punking <laughs> like as no you um, did such a good job with it really, too. i'm like yeah, yeah 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 like whatever man but like like i'm just like oh so there's an echo it's an echo it's like oh oh there's symbols in it symbols and symbols like oh there's a drum keeping time with it all keep time with it all. oh there's a twittering flute. Twitter, flute not like a normal not not a normal flute but a twittering flute a twittering flute is happening Right here, and it's getting higher here and lower here. And blah, blah, blah. Right, writing, it was like... writing like that, just um, from pure imagination and creati creativity. You're not thinking about what it would take to bring this to life. You know, you, you're just using your imagination, and you want to um, fully describe what you want your readers to to hear. You know, you want to put them in that scene. So doing that, you know, I, I had no restraint right it wasn't about it, it, was, it was it wasn't about you on that note what we'd like to remind everyone of is that this project the hidden scribes is all about getting unknown authors giving them a platform here. so that they can either be represented by an agent or a publisher or 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 getting their work more attention and more eyes in some cases it'll be motivation for them to finish their work that they might have been pursuing as a hobby or for the person that's been grinding, um, you know, and has a lot of finished work, but just hasn't taken that next convinced step. somebody. To, that's right. Yeah, to to take that next step with them. So what we're gonna do, and um, doing our part to kind of highlight these uh, heroes of the pen and page, we are going to try to drive engagement. So every two weeks there'll be a new episode, uh, much like what you just heard, with an interview with the author, and in that two week period, we're going to try to drum up social engagement with their particular work. So uh, if you use the hashtag inscribes the fortune teller over the next two weeks we're going to track that on the various socials on your grams and your books and on your twittons and the like your your chats i guess your snappers your snapchatters yeah, and we're going to tally those and see you know how much engagement these individuals have created and the winner quote unquote uh since you can't see me doing that is going to be asked back and maybe we'll do a remix of their selection maybe we'll you know uh, choose another selection to score maybe uh, it'll just be them coming back to kind of talk about what their journey has been and i say that because everybody through this process will be winning from the standpoint that they'll all be adding more eyes to their work than they would have had that's a wonderful otherwise thing. yeah yeah um but we'll feature the person that we feel like during that two-week period gets the most eyes and ask them back and ask them to see what their what that journey has looked like for them and so so let's let's, um, let's make sure they know what that hashtag is again sure that is hashtag hidden scribes the fortune hidden teller scribes. hashtag hidden scribes 
the fortune teller. Use that in the places where you like to talk about the things that you're into, whether the things that you're reading or the movies that you've seen. Um, you know, tell people about this podcast. And on that note, we're going to remind you that rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, those are all ways for not only the the writer to kind of get a little bit more reach, but it is also a way for the podcast to get out there. It really, really helps a lot. So if you liked what you heard today, or if you have some constructive <laughs> criticism, we're skinned around here, but yes, we still. Oh want yeah, even criticisms. Yeah, we're thick skinned. Even criticisms. Whatever, whatever you got to say, man. I'm here for because if you're saying it, it means at least you listened. You took time out of your day, whether it was in your commute or while you're working out or whatever time you devote to earbuds and a podcast and invited us into your into your brain. Uh, I'm thankful for. So whatever words you have back for me, I'm more than willing to uh, to listen to and engage with. So please do that um, at your nearest and dearest opportunity. That is hashtag Hidden Scribes, the fortune teller. I want to thank Mr. Quayo Tito Kelly for being our inaugural You're guest. Welcome, sir. Uh, there's no one I would rather have had do the deed. Thank you for doing it with uh, with honor and panache that is so native Big to words. you. So thank you, man. And uh, I hope Anytime. that um, uh, that this journey is just that it's uh, at its uh, very beginning, and um, I can't wait to see. What you do with you're, it? You're welcome, man. And I'm I'm sure everybody who has anything to do with this this journey, this process, um, is going to be thankful for just the opportunity itself. You know, it's it's a, it's a really wonderful thing, and um, I'm glad somebody did it. Somebody's uh, working on you know just getting stuff out there because you know, there there are so many stories that need to be told that that writers have inside them. And uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of those stories aren't being told. They they have no exposure. And it's it's making a new way to create exposure is is just golden, you know. So thank you, sir. Thank thank Hidden Scribes, and thank everybody for listening. That was dope. In two weeks, another writer. In the meantime, engage with us. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at the Hidden Scribe. If you're interested in being on the program, you can express interest at thehiddenscribes at gmail.com. and you can connect with me on Twitter at Mark underscore Million, M-I-L-L-I-E-N. Thank you. We out. No.